We started a journey, uh, I mean, so many weeks ago, going through the letter that James wrote to, to a New Testament era church, so what we would call the book of James. We started that journey a, a long time ago, but week in, a week out. We continue to see God's presence and teaching in something that was written thousands of years ago. And today is going to be no different. In fact, today we're going to finish chapter 4, which means we're on the home stretch of finishing out. And I don't want you to miss any truth that God has to, to give to you, whether it's today or for the next three weeks. So whatever you got to do to stay engaged with this through your life group, through the sermon series, through being here, be a part of this because God has got a truth to reveal to each of us. This morning, I want to speak to people specifically that don't know who God is. And I also want to speak to those of you that have been in church for a very long time, but you're not sure if your relationship with Jesus is genuine, and you're not sure if it's real. Because I believe there's a very strong message, a gospel message for you today that would really change your life and would give you something that the world is looking for, and that is hope in the future. For those of us that have been in the church, it's not a chance for you to check out. There's some stories in there for you too. But let's together just learn, just see what James has for us this morning as he continues to teach us. Let's not assume that we know this. Let's not assume that because we were a part of a Bible study, we've heard some of these scriptures before, that we know it and we know what he's about to say. Let's, let's look, let's read, let's engage like it's the first time that we ever heard it. Can we do that? Story is told that a Bible professor walks into his Bible class carrying a copy of the Bible and Harry Potter. All of you right now are scared. No, he was not going to connect the gospel to Harry Potter, but he held up the Bible and he said, how many of you have read the Bible cover to cover? And so to his not surprise, only a handful of his Bible class students had read the Bible cover to cover. He sets the Bible down, grabs a copy of Harry Potter, holds Harry Potter up, and he says, not necessarily this book, but any Harry Potter book, how many of you have read it cover to cover? Raise your hand. All of a sudden, three-fourths of the class, hands go up. How many of you have read this book multiple times? Only a few hands went down. To which the Bible professor says, look, if we are truly going to call ourselves forever changed by the word of God, then we must know what the word of God says. And we cannot know what the word of God says if we never read it. We can't know what God has for us. We can't know what his future plans are for us if we don't consume the Bible day in and day out, the things that are familiar and we like to the things that are confusing and we don't know how to pronounce their name. We need to become consumers, not of religion. We need to become consumers of God's word to a point where it begins to change our lives. And so as James is getting ready to write this particular section, keep that story in the back of your mind. Because what the title of this message is, My Will Versus God's Will. My way versus God's way. My path versus God's path. As we look in James chapter 4, I want you to join me in verse 13 in just a second. But it's a question that all of us have to ask ourselves. If you don't know who Jesus is, you have to ask yourself the question, is my will getting it done the way that I want it to get done? Or is there by chance, whether it big or small, that maybe, just maybe, God's will is better than mine? And you have to invite that conversation. You have to invite that dialogue and that, that just investigation and really, truly give yourself into that dialogue and that investigation to see, is God's will better than mine? 
For those of you that have been in the church and you're not sure about your relationship, if it's genuine, if it's real, we're not here to place doubt in you. We're here to give you affirmation and encouragement that the relationship potential that you could have is real. And you need to become just a very student of God's word. You need to become a, a doer of God's word and make the relationship more than by name alone, by, by lifestyle. So as we get into James chapter 4, verse 13, don't think that he's talking to a very specific person. He's talking to all of us. And here's what he says. James writes, he says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend the year there. We'll do business. We'll make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like a vapor that appears for a little while then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or we will do that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance and such boasting is evil. So it is a sin to know the good and yet not do it. The front end of this scripture is, is one that we would love to know the answers to, right? We would love to know what the future is. We would love to know what, what's going to happen, when we're going to make mistakes, what the lottery numbers are, where, where am I going to be, am I going to make that big seven-figure, eight-figure salary, am I going to have all the friends that I want, am I going to get to live finally in the house that I've always wanted. We want to know what the future is. But if you knew the future, would it satisfy you? Some of you would think, well, yeah, true, yeah, I, no, no because you would just want something else. How many of us have lived our lives in such a way where we try to predict the future because we try to tell God what we want to do next? We want to tell God, okay, look, God, here's my plan for life, and I need you to come alongside, and I need you to, to really just jump in here and do what I need to, because I need you to be the eternal genie, not the eternal Lord and creator of the universe. I need you to do my bidding, my beck and call. Can you do that? Because here's my future. And God says, I don't have that for you. I've got something so much better for you. For those of us that don't know Jesus, we've been going at our, you've been going it your own way for so long, and your way has constantly left you unfulfilled and unsatisfied, not hitting the, the, the glory that you thought. And God's saying, I've got a different plan for you, but you need, to, you need to trust me, meaning you need to give your life to me. For some of us, we just need to stop telling God what to do and just allow him to lead, and we'll follow because if we truly are coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you, God, it's all about you, Jesus, then it needs to be like that more so than a song that we sing. We need to truly trust God with our future. So the first thing that I want to encourage you with is don't presume to know the future. Don't presume to know that you know what's going next. James says it right here. You have plans. That's great. Plans are good, but you don't know what tomorrow holds. You can't look at the situation and say, I'm going to go to this town. I'm going to make this money. I'm going to do this thing. We're gonna, it's going to be a success because I'm a part of it. This thing is going to work because you don't even know that tomorrow will happen at all. None of us is guaranteed tomorrow. None of us is guaranteed this afternoon. And James is trying to get us off of our plans and our eyes onto Jesus, saying, whatever Jesus does, whatever Jesus leads, however Jesus goes, just follow him. Because if I presume to know the future, that is a sin. Because I have taken myself out of my human self, and I have tried to place myself into a God-sized box that I don't fit in. And there's no money, there's no diet, there's no stuff. There is nothing I can do to fit in that box. So I need to get out of that box and stop presuming to know what comes next and just trust God with it. 
Because James says, you are nothing more than a vapor. And that's not a slam. That's not a, man, a criticism that you're worthless. No, 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 no. James is trying to tell you, your time on earth is about like that. God's plan for you is eternity. Let me go back just in case some of you didn't grasp that. Your life on God's timeline is about like that. God's plan for you is eternity. See the difference? We like, to, we like to watch different shows, reality shows, and it always, I love the reality shows when people start talking trash. And one of my favorite trash lines at one of my reality shows, like you in here playing, playing checkers, we're playing chess. Many times we're playing checkers and God's playing chess. And God's plan for you is a whole lot more about his kingdom and you bringing people with you than it is just about you. For those of you that don't know Jesus, it's an error on your part. It's an error on my part. It's not just something that you struggle with. It's something that I even struggle with now to say, this is what I'm going to do, God. This is how I'm going to impact your kingdom. These are the things I know what's going to come next. And so this is what's going to happen. And God says, not so fast, sporty. Because think about it. Let's insert 2020 right here. Anybody see that coming? Let's also insert every New Year's resolution that you have ever spoken into existence. Have those come into being? This is how we know that this is real. When James says don't presume because you really don't know because when we presume to know the New Year's resolution that we were definitely going to do on January 1 by January 3, it was shot. If you made it to the end of January, you were, you were doing really good. And if anybody knew that this was coming in 2020, please write a book on how you saw the future and make some money because, wow, the probability of all the things that have happened over the last year, and I'm not even just talking the last few months, the last year, that has to be an astronomical number. This time of this Bible time, James is saying this because there are so many people, they're going to new cities, they're going to new developments, they're trying to make money, they're trying to earn commerce, they're trying to get away from some of the worldly things and kind of blaze their own trail. There is nothing wrong with that until it becomes your vision for your life and God has no say on it. Could God give you a plan for you to make money and to develop things and start a business and do different things? Absolutely. But it needs to be by God's direction, not mine. Could you, that are not, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, could your life completely change? Absolutely. But there are a lot of people in this room that we would tell you story after story after story, the difference in going our path and going the path that Jesus chose for us. Because guarantee you, story after story would encourage you and affirm for you that, hey, we're not these super spiritual giants. We're not some spiritual geniuses that happen to have it all together. We are broken sinners that we found the peace that puts us together, that fulfills us, and his name is Jesus Christ. And the only presuming that we need to do is presume that once I have that relationship with Jesus, my future is in eternity, and that's all I get. That's the only guarantee that I get. After that, Jesus can do whatever he wants, wherever he wants, however he wants, with whomever he wants, and I'm just to go along for the ride because when I go along for the ride, it's way better than if I try to do it by myself. We need to stop presuming to know the future. The the two things that really begin to, to, to challenge us that James says, don't be presumptuous about your plans because they could fail. Many of us in this room, we have been the victim of our own plans, knowing that they were going to succeed, they were going to succeed, and when they failed, we're like, oh, we're the worst. We're scum of the earth. 
We're a total loser. You know what God said? But you never asked me. When you made plans, they could have been successful, but you never asked me. Because what happens if you are one degree off from what God was supposed to to do in your life? We've said it here before. It's, It's not a story that we haven't shared before. If you're piloting a plane for one degree and you went off for like 15 minutes, you'd be 50 miles off course. But imagine if we were step in step with what God had for us then our plans would not only succeed, but they would be way better than anything that we prepared on our own. The second thing is that we don't need to be presumptuous about our life. If you right now think, I have all the time in the world to grow and develop my spiritual life, I want you to know that's a total lie from the pit of hell. If you think to yourself, I don't have to worry about my spiritual growth, I don't have to worry about loving Jesus, I'm young, or I've got a lot of life left to me, or look at all the stuff that I have, I'll lose it, I'm telling you, you're already lost. Don't presume to know that you know the future because God has got something special for you and you need to place it into his hands because we are not guaranteed tomorrow. We need to put our life into his hands. There's a a parable that Jesus shares in Luke chapter 12. It's kind of ironic because this morning, my men's group that I meet with before church, we, we talked about it. And it's the parable of the rich fool. And I know what you're thinking, rich fool, I'd like to be that guy. I don't know. Because in the parable, Jesus talks about how this rich fool was very successful in business, had a lot of crops, he was doing well. And he's like, you know what, I'll tell you what, the thing that I need to do to really be a success is I need to go build some more barns. I think they need to be bigger, they need to be better. I need to get to a place in life where all I have to say is, you know, I just have to eat, drink, and be merry. That's all I need to do in life because I've got all that I need, I've got all that I have, we're good. And in Luke 20, 12, 20, but God said to him, you fool, This very night, your life is demanded of you. And the things that you've prepared, whose will they be? You can go your whole life presuming that you know everything, that you have it all together, and yet you could lose it all because your soul is not with Jesus Christ. How sad would that be? Solomon is one of the wisest people. He says in Proverbs 16, 9, he says, A person's heart plans his way, but it's the Lord that determines his steps. He also writes in 1921, he says, many are the plans in the person's heart, but it's the Lord's decree that will prevail. So if it's the Lord's steps that are the way to go, if it's the Lord's decree that will actually prevail, then maybe I should just get in with what he's doing and stop trying to go it myself. For some of you, that's the question for you today. Are you presuming too much and not living enough in the hands of God? Second thing that that James writes is that we do not need to think too highly of ourselves. We do not need to think too highly of ourselves. So it's bad enough that you presume to know the future, but then James writes in the Bible, he says, look, there's also those that you're boasting about your arrogance. Not only do I need to know what to do, but look, I am so good, it's going to happen. And I hate to tell you this, that arrogance can also be found inside the church building as likely as it will be found outside the church building. I know the scriptures. I know what they say. Scott, you, you can't tell me anything I hadn't heard for the last whatever years. That boasting and arrogance is found in James 4, 16. He says, but as it is, you boast in your arrogance. And that is evil. We boast as if we are the solutions, if we know it all. But let me ask you a question. And don't raise your hand because it's not therapy session just yet. But has there ever been a time where you boasted about knowing exactly who you are and your ability only to fail miserably? 
James says, don't presume to know the future, but do not boast in arrogance as if you know exactly what's happening and you are so good that you are the solution to your own problems. Because just like Jesus' way is better, Jesus is the only solution for whatever you're facing right now. I got in this hole, I'll get out of this hole. I got into this mess, I'll get out of this mess. I got into this trouble, I'll get out of this trouble. Sound familiar? Do you hear the boasting and arrogance in those statements? It's just straight stupidity. It's bad enough that I'm presuming that I know that I can get out of the the mess or the jam or the situation. It's even worse that I think I'm the one that can do it. That's what we were sharing last week. God's grace is so much greater than anything that we've ever experienced. If I would stop and be humble, if I would, would lower myself and really just come down a peg or five or a thousand and just really allow God to move in my life and I would allow him to, to show me the way, to guide me through the truth, then God's grace is greater than anything ever seen. But he gives grace to the humble, 4-6. I need to be one that's humble. I don't need to excessively demonstrate my pride and self-satisfactions and talk about my achievements and my possessions and my abilities. That is the definition of boasting. Paul writes this in his letter to the Roman church because you think Paul, of all people, could boast a little bit. But he says this, look, I tell everyone among you, everyone in the church, everyone listening to this letter, reading it letter, I'm telling you, do not think of yourself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly. Now, don't go the 180 and be like, well, Scott said think humbly, so I'm trash. No, 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 no. I didn't say totally kill your self-esteem. But we just understand something as good as we may be, God is greater. As smart as we may be, there's somebody in this room that's smarter than you. You might say, hey, I'm the worst sinner in this place. Think sensibly. We're all with you. When it comes to sin, we're not worse. We're equal. We equally need Jesus just as much as you do. Think sensibly. There's nothing in this world that could satisfy. There's nothing that could save me. That is wrong. Think sensibly. Jesus can be that for you. The definition of evil that James writes in in verse 16, there are two other times, my commentary told me this, I felt it was very interesting. There are two other times that James, or this terminology, this Greek word was used. The intensity of this word is found in the Lord's Prayer when Jesus says, protect us from evil, keep us from evil. That's intense. And then the second evil is when James was telling us earlier in chapter 2, don't become a judge with evil thoughts. Now you're like, well, that doesn't sound so bad. I'm pretty sure if Jesus said, protect us from evil, that's bad. Because if Jesus was worried about us falling into the trap of evil, we should probably be worried as well. We should daily pray, God, deliver us from evil. Keep us from that, the temptations. Keep us from the things that are going to separate us from you. God, separate me from myself if I have to, if it protects me from going down a path that leads me away from you. For those of you that don't know Jesus, you'll be like, I'll be fine. It's okay. You are boasting in that statement. If you use the terminology, I will be fine and I will comes out of your mouth, that is your will, not God's will. And you will not be fine. You will end up in the pit of hell. And those of you that are inside the church and you're like, man, he's intense. Yes, it's that serious. 
If we've been inside the church and we have been here all our lives and we know the scriptures and we participated, we have the t-shirts, the medals, the memory verse cards, you've got everything, but you don't have Jesus, you are losing and you're possibly going to a place that you don't intend, the pit of hell. Only a relationship with Jesus can determine your future. Only growing in that knowledge of who he is can determine the next steps. We can't presume it. We can't boast about it because we are not good. But Jesus is good, and really, truly, Jesus is great. I didn't mean to get that intense, but that felt good. (laughs) Because the next thing is really, when James is talking to us, why that's so intense is because we have a path to choose. And we don't need to ignore or choose not to follow God's plans. I want you to look at it on the screen here. Look at it it two ways. God gives you a command, gives you instruction, whether that's an audible verbal that some of you really do feel like you've had through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amazing. Love that. Those stories are encouraging. Many of you have read scripture, and you feel like once you read the scripture, you knew exactly what God is, is calling you to do. You have a choice. You have a choice. Two, really. Do it or don't do it. But you know, some of us, we try to, we try to give that like 2A or two, maybe a, a 3 in there. James is telling his readers and sharing with us that we are not to ignore God's word. So it would be like us reading the scripture and be like, yeah, that was cute, but I don't know what he said. You heard it, but you're ignoring it. You hear that you're to give your life to Jesus, but you're ignoring it. You want to go have more fun. You want to have that image. You want to have all the things that the world says is fun and great and it's going to build this popularity and these resources. You are ignoring the word of God because you're, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're ignoring it. But the, also the same is true that you're choosing not to do it. Imagine with me if God gave us a clear command as a church and we collectively as a church said, well, that God, that's cute. We're, we're going to do that maybe next year. Maybe, maybe next decade, because God, we're set. We're good. How long are we going to last as a church? Yeah, I thought the same thing, not that long. We live in a, in a country, and we, you know, a friend of mine, we were joking about this before. There's so many Bibles in their house, we weren't worried about the Bible getting left behind. And I'm not picking on the person because in my house, the same is true. We have so many Bibles in our home and we have so many Bibles attached to our phone now. There's no reason we should ever ignore God's word. Let me say that again for those of you that are in the back and can't hear me good. We have so many Bibles in our home attached to our phone. We should never ignore God's word. If God's word has no place in your life, you are ignoring the very instruction that you need to succeed in life and eternity. Stop ignoring God's word. The other side, and and trust me, this was the point the finger at myself first. Stop choosing not to do what God says. Stop thinking God is cute and that message was meant for somebody else. Start doing everything that God tells you to do. If God didn't say it, you don't do it. If God said it, get it done. 
Cheryl Brown and I have a joke. I had a pastor one time, my first pastor, that sometimes I would kind of annoy him, be like, hey, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I'd like to try this with our students. And, and, and Pat Gride-Loving wouldn't even look up from his desk. He'd be like, sandal it. And so Cheryl will come in. She's like, hey, I'd like to try this with Kid Life, or I'm thinking about this, and I'll just now, like, Cheryl, handle it. Just, just go. We need to do God's word, and we need to handle it. We don't need to ask for more questions. We don't, need more, we don't need more translations. We don't need more technology. We don't need more information. We simply need to do whatever the Bible tells us to do. If we get that done, things change. There's, a, there's another parable that Jesus tells about the parable of the talents. Man comes in, sees the master. Master gives him five talents. Man takes those five talents, goes out, invests them in the world, gets five more. Next man goes in, gets two talents. Man takes those talents, goes out in the world, invests it, Gets two more talents. Both men have doubled their profits so far. Third man comes in. He gets one talent. By the way, in case you're wanting a talent, it's not necessarily a gift or an ability. In this, it's monetary, and it's about $120 a piece in modern-day money. Side note that I'm sure you wanted. This man gets $120. He takes it out. He goes, you know what? This guy, he can be tough. Goes, gets a shovel. Puts the money in the ground, puts the, money back on top, puts the dirt back on top. Doesn't do anything with it. Time for call. Master calls in. Hey, the guy that gave me five, what'd you do? I said, man, I took it out. I invested it. I worked it. I made five more. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Guy that received two, guys, comes back in. Master, what'd you do? I, I, made, I made two more. It was amazing. Well done. Guy walks in and says, hey, where's the one that I gave you? Well, I knew that you were a, a very hard man, so I thought it'd be safe if I just buried it in the ground and didn't do anything with it. Here's your one back. We laugh. But when we don't do what God chooses to do, we have buried God's word in the sand with no hope of doing anything about it. The end of that story says the master looks at him and goes, depart from me, you evil servant. I don't know about you, but I'm not looking forward to a day in heaven when I walk up to God and I bury things in the sand and be like, God, here it is. And God said, no, get away from me, evil servant. I don't want that. And I don't think you do either. So take what God has given to you and really begin to try it out. See what God happens. Fail forward. Fail, just fail having fun. And not fail catastrophically, but you really got, like, God, I was trying these things, and what did I do? And God comes alongside us because that was great. Here's what we need to do next. And then you try that, and you're like, okay, God, I don't think I have it yet. And God continues to instruct you, and continues to develop you, and continues to challenge you and motivate you. And all of a sudden, you walk back and be like, God, I'm here in heaven, and look at all these people that are coming with me. That's what I did with what you gave me. And God says, welcome, you good and faithful servant. Have fun with it until you become successful with it, and let God instruct you all the way. Jeremiah says this, God's word to the people of Israel back in the day of Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. To choose not to do God's word is to ignore that God has plans for our well-being and to give us a hope. So I need to seek the Lord's word, I need to seek the Lord's path first. I'm going to go back to that scripture, Jeremiah 20, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. If I'm to truly seek the Lord's path first, then it is to submit to the, the process that God knows better than I do, and he has plans for my well-being to give me a future and a hope. How incredible it is, how encouraging it is to know that God has something for you. So don't get there and say, I don't need God in this decision. False. 
I don't need God, I, I don't need God to get this done. False. I think God's way is actually quite boring. False. And good luck with that. Instead, we need to say, God, your plans are for my well-being. Your plans are for hope and a future. So whatever you need to do, whatever we need to change things, let's do it because your way is for my well-being. So how do we do this? Where do we go from here? I think the first thing is we need to stop chasing the wind. James says our life, our life is nothing but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. We need to stop chasing the wind like we're going to last forever. We need to consume the Bible. Not everything that you do right now is valuable. Let's do the things that are valuable, that are going to last for forever. Let's last for eternity. Not everything that you do is good for you. Let's do everything spiritually that's great for you. Let's do things that are spiritually good and great for the people next to you as well and bring them along with us for the ride. We need to stop living as if we know it all because, hey, can we have an honest moment between all, all of us? You don't know what's best. Only God does. And we need to stop living life as if we do. If that hurts your feelings, I'm okay with it because it's said in the Bible. Second thing is we need to commit our lives to the Lord. Many of you are maybe here, you're saying, I don't know who Jesus is. I'm going to tell you right now. The day is here. The opportunity is present. This is the day that you can come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We have pastors in the room that would love to sit and spend a few minutes with you, mask on, of course, and just share with you the gospel message about how Jesus could change your life. There are a lot of people sitting next to you right now. You don't need a pastor. They'll, they'll share it with you. They would share anything with anybody at any time. You just simply need to say, can somebody please introduce me to Jesus because I've tried it my way and it's not working. We need to commit our lives to the Lord. We need to let God chart our path. We need to let God open up the future. How do we do that? We need to consume this book right here. We need to become students, lovers, consumers of every word that God has spoken. Let God change your step. Let God be the one that determines everything else. Commit your lives to the Lord. And secondly, develop your life to live out the gospel. Not talking about it, living it. Talking about it is what we do on Sundays. Living is what we do Monday through Saturday. And sometimes on Sunday when opportunities present themselves. Everything we do, every breath we take needs to be a living gospel moment. And so let's live the gospel as best we can. And I wanna, I'll leave you with this question for those of you that have been in church for a long time. I want to leave you with this question and really just let you, as we, as, we, as we worship and we respond a little bit, just think and pray and ask God what the answer to the question is. Is my life a demonstration of how you've called me to live? All the things that I do, the things that everybody sees and the things that nobody sees, is my life a living demonstration of how you've called me to live? Friends, if you don't know Jesus, today's your day. Don't presume to know what happens tomorrow. Don't boast that you think you're the solution to your problem. Commit your way to the Lord. Choose him because he has a path and a plan for you, plans for your well-being, for a hope and a future that you can't even touch on your own. For those who have been inside the church for a while, we need to stop telling God what to do and just commit ourselves to him. Don't presume that you know. Don't think that you know. Don't boast that you're the best of everything. Just simply humble yourself before the Lord and let him take it from there.
If we do that, revival breaks out in our homes, in our church, in our community. Man, and how awesome would it be if revival broke out in our nation? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word through James. God, we, we have a, a, really a confession to make, even if it's just me. God, that too often I have presumed to know what your plans are. I have presumed to understand the Bible in such a way that I can predict and chart your steps before you do. And God, I know nothing. So I confess, God, that the sin of presumption. God, I also confess my sin of boasting that I am the solution. I am the, I am the person that can get things done because, God, I am nothing without you. God, and also confess the sin of omission where I don't, I ignore, I don't choose to follow your path. And God, would you just forgive me of that? God, and I know that some people are sitting there like, yeah, me too, me too. So God, through your tender mercy, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you teach us through this living, breathing word, this Bible, these holy scriptures, would you teach us that your way is the best and only way? God, that we can turn things around and we can do things differently than the world says. And God, we can spark revival in places that we never thought possible. God, if pride is holding us back, if ego is holding us back, if fear of judgment is holding us back, let nothing through the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing through the power of Jesus, let nothing hold us back from drawing near to you so that we can understand what your truth is, your way is, and your life is. Father, as we respond this morning, maybe we're just going to sit there and we're going to pray. God, maybe it is that we need to reach out this week somehow, some way to one of the pastors, our friends, life group leaders. We need to reach out and we need to confess and we need to pray and we need to give our life to you. God, glory to God for that moment. I pray it happens. But God, most importantly, I pray that whoever is in here that knows you, that loves you, that breathes you, God, that we wouldn't be the only ones that knew you, but that every calling on our life, every challenge and chore that you've given to us to be, would be gospel opportunities to impact eternity. And God, we wouldn't think of them as ob obligations. We would celebrate the opportunity. So Father, this time of response is yours. We've already had an incredible time of singing and celebration. God, I pray that the word has only enhanced that. But as we respond, God, as we give back just these moments to you, would you teach us, even now, God, what do we need to do next? What is it our next step needs to be? So that when we walk out of this place, we walk out of here forever changed because we spent time with the Almighty. So if we came here by ourselves, let us leave with Jesus. If we came in here knowing Jesus, let us leave with the power of the Holy Spirit to live this out. And whoever we are, let us bring you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.